On today's episode, Mike and Ryan do a top 10 list of favorite hops to brew with. Cheers. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Brewers in Law podcast, where beer is thicker than water. Join us on a journey discovering home brewing, craft beer, and more. I'm Mike, and as always, I'm joined here by my brother-in-law, Ryan. How's it going, Ryan? Not much. I've been enjoying the change of scenery, because uh, we used to do this in my basement, and now we're at your house. We're doing it in my kitchen. Yes. And yeah, we've had to, It's it's been quite a production. We've had to kick the entire household out. <laughs> the wife has taken the toddler, who does not understand being quiet yet. Nope. <laughs> away to visit great-grandma. And uh, the dog is away at puppy camp, and uh, we've shoved the cat off the table a couple times, and he's become annoyed with us and is leaving us alone. I mean, at least he's not come back. That's a good thing about that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Ryan and I are both amateur home brewers, excited about beer and home brewing. And on Brewers in Law, we aren't looking to act as authorities, but rather to share our experiences with you, the good, bad, and the ugly. And we hope you'll share with us as well so we can all learn and grow and enjoy this wonderful hobby together. So the topic of today's episode is uh, hops and specifically some of the hops that we love to brew with. And I think it's fairly common for hops to be called kind of tongue in cheek, a uh, brewer's, you know, every, you know, every beer lover's favorite plant hops. But I think people forget that barley, which makes a barley malt makes up all of the grain in beers or mm-hmm. most of the grain, the yes. vast majority of the grain in most beers is also a plant. So I want to put this question to you, Ryan. If we're oh, going for a sip. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I know we have feedback. Let's do the feedback after the first. It's, it's good. Okay. I'm good with because that. Because I'm already on a roll. You, are, you, know, you did a nice transition. I yes, love that. I know. Yeah. My outline failed to include. the feedback. <laughs> um, so if you had to, for the rest of your brewing career, either give up barley, you can't use barley anymore in any beer, you have to use some sort of substitute, or hops, you can't use hops anymore, you have to use some substitute, which one would you give up? What is really your favorite plant? <laughs> so I think you you said you had a, a, a guess what I was going to go with, so I'm going to see if you're right or not, but I'm going to get rid of hops. You're going to go... I, I didn't have a guess. I was curious because I know when you've spoken about it on previous episodes that you've made a hopless beer before. I, I assisted with the hopless beer. So uh, Micah and James, who are friends of my uh, my wife and I, uh, they brew as well. And they made a beer that was gluten-free and hop-free because they had a friend who is allergic to both. So instead of hops, they use um, like... Uh, season, I cannot seasoning, but like rosemary. Rosemary was one, and thyme was the other. Was for this one, and then but they added other things, and it kind of balanced out. So that there was a strawberry puree beer. So it 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 balanced out having not having the hops and having those two as your hops, quote unquote. Um, but the reason I say it is because the grains and barley in general give you not only just the color, which is important to have, but like give you a decent amount of flavors that you can set as a as a base. And because it's me and why not, I can do whatever I want to get the other flavors that I would get from hops instead. Interesting. Okay. That would be my, that's, that's my thought process. Your thought pro- well, yeah, cause you're right. Because probably using some other herbs, you could get, 
obviously those are going to have some sort of the kind of like preservative effects that the hops have. Yes. But also, yeah, you could you can get a lot of interesting flavors. You could probably get bitterness if you use the right herbs, mm-hmm. I'm sure, yep. for balance. Okay. I think I'm going to play devil's advocate with you and say I would give up barley. Okay. Because I think n- – not. I'm sure you can brew a good beer without hops, but um, – I think that hops can do so much, and I think that there are there are already beers that are made without barley. Some like um, and I know again, I know there are beers made without hops too, but like uh, um, beers can be made using wheats and oats, and um, some sort of beers that are wheat beers can go up to a hundred percent of the grist being wheat, yeah. right? And um, I've heard that like from the um, the sort of the perspective of like gluten-free brewing Mm -hmm. that some of those um, other um, grains, they're starting to experiment with like roasting and kilning them the same way they do with barley. Mm -hmm. So they're starting to be like, you know, you can not only have um, roasted barley if you want to make a stout, but there's midnight wheat, which is like wheat malt. That's Mm -hmm. just been toasted the same way. Mm -hmm. It's been, you know, just blackened like crazy (laughs) so that you can make stouts with it. And, um, and then there are oats too, you know, you can get like caramel, um, and, and like all of those sorts of like yeah. levels of roast in other grain varieties. I've never tried it. I have no idea how close the flavor comes, but I, if I had to, you know, a hill to die on, I think I could make stuff closer to beer flavored beer, which a lot of times is the beer that I like using alternative grains versus alternative hops. All right. I mean, to each their own. I mean, that's why that's why I love this and thing. And then so we could hang out and like together, By we, our we powers could pour combined. half of each of our beers into a glass <laughs> and we'd have like a normal beer. Captain Beer. Right. Our powers combined. <laughs> I, I, that, was, that was interesting. I was I, When you told me that was the, the first sip, I was very intrigued. And, and I, I think it kept I had, up I, It did keep me up one night. I was just sitting there. I was like, wait a second. How well, am I going to do this? I can give her, no, but how am I going to make an IP? But, but wait. I could get rid of grades, but no, how am I going to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like that. So before we dive in, a little listener feedback, just a couple of them. Um, first one goes back to a little bit of Christmas time. Um, a friend of mine, actually, that I've actually become friends with on Twitter. His name is Aaron Grubb. Um, and he actually makes his own music. He's a, uh, He actually has an album out. I'm going to plug him in here real quick. Oh, very cool. Um, he, does, uh, he did a cover of, of Zelda music for all the Zelda fans out there. Um, all those AZP listeners. All those AZP <laughs> listeners. Um, but he he tweeted out something that said, if you want to be festive, but don't want to listen to traditional Christmas music, try out my friend Marshall's brand new Christmas song and let me know what you think. The song is called, For Christmas, Just Get Me a Beer. <laughs> I love that. I, I listen to the song. It's on Spotify. So if you want to check it out, go for it. Um it's a great song. It's a little folky for my taste, but I still liked it a lot. It was really good. And I'm of course, I love it. I love folk music. And of course, of course, Celeste, who love and dear, um, tagged me specifically and then tagged the podcast. And then I'm like, yes, had to make sure I shot this out because it, it was a great song because it was perfect feeling for Christmas is like, just give me a beer. Yeah. That's Especially all. Especially 2020 Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the next one. So how's life? Shut up and get me a beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know how it is. 
the next comment I have here is from uh, DCD, who is with uh, Boss, R- uh, Boss Rush Podcast, which oh, we did cool, that 1v1 cool, cool, yeah. with a while back. Yeah, I, I, I uh, love their stuff ever since um, the I'd listened to the MJ Kuhn podcast. Yep. I've been kind of uh, following their stuff. Yep. They have podcast. a ton. They've been exploding with a new content yeah, yeah. now. Um, <laughs> and Celeste has been doing a lot with that, too. So I, kudos to her for doing that all. Um, but DCD uh, said, I tried brewing beer once and it did not go well at all. My poor girlfriend and her brother had their stomachs turned for two days. Oh, dear. And then he did say, well, definitely check it out to see you guys fared any better. Um, so I have never had that happen. That's that's a whole new level of uh, misadventure it, it right is. there. I, I guess I would ask. I wouldn't ask. I would say if you... If your experience brewing beer was like a while ago, Things revisit lot, because yeah. man, the 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 equipment, the the expertise, the guidance, and just the ingredients available to you are so much better and fresher uh, than they were. Even like uh, I remember brewing in college, which mm-hmm. dear lord is almost ten years ago. But like, I know. Um, but even in that time, the the increase in like the home brewing, um, like just availability of ingredients for home brewers is astounding. It you is. might have an easier time. Also, I do think if, if if you think it was like kind of an infected batch, you got maybe some bacteria in there, um, and that was what made everybody sick. I think that just highlights that like the number one thing not to screw up about your brewing is sanitation, like. Get one of those like star sand um, or something that sanitizes and you have to be neurotic about making sure that everything that touches your beer is sterile. Mm -hmm. And that is like, it's not hard to make good beer as long as you have good sanitation. Exactly. Yes. Like you can use kits, you can use extract, you, you know, it's yeah, just sanitation is, is king. So I, I would say hopefully one of those comments gives you the, uh, the confidence to to try it again. Yeah, I would because definitely say try it again. I, I wouldn't let one bad experience turn you away. Yeah. I mean, turning your stomach is a whole yeah. new level of something. I <laughs> so. mean, it does, yeah. <laughs> and the last one I'm going to say, it's iTunes review um, that is five stars, and it's titled Enjoying the Buzz oh. off of this podcast. I love the pun. That is, that's fantastic. Um, I do know who this is. He's, he is um, a friend of mine, but I'm going to say it anyways because you know he's a friend. He goes, Hi, my brothers. He used brothers. Uh, it's me, Shane, from across the lake in Wisconsin. I'm enjoying the knowledge I'm gaining and stories that I feel are a bigger part of the Midwest. One day I hope to maybe give this a go, but maybe when I have a bigger basement or a larger garage. And then asks, Fair. have you ever tried Dragon's Milk? He says, it's a delicious beer. I enjoy it occasionally. And sincerely, um, Orukoru no Otoku, which I believe he is of Japanese descent. So I believe that's his name in Japanese. Shane, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, and then he, he did say his real name is still uh, still Sane Shane, which is his uh, Twitter handle. Very cool. I have had Dragon's Milk. It's very thick. It's a lot of flavor in there. Yeah. I can do one. Dragon's Milk is to beer what like brownies are to desserts. Yes. It's like it's so oh, much. thick with two, you know, T-H-I-C-C thick. <laughs> T-H, I think I said T-H. <laughs> but yeah. We've had yeah. it. We've had Dragon's Milk, super good. I love splitting a 12 ounce bottle of it with somebody. Yes. 
Yeah, yes. because I either that or and that's it, all you have. <laughs> either that or it needs to be on an empty stomach. Yeah, yes. but but I, I I do like it a lot. And my dad is like got on a kick for a while with buying like their different. Um, they were putting like spins flavors, on yeah. it with the different flavorings, and all those were pretty good yeah, too. I've had, I, I mean, nothing against the beer. It's a great beer. It's just it's just a lot of flavor in there. It's 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 just the yeah. It's it's just a really really full beer it, mm-hmm. it fills your fills your little tummy and i would say yeah so the first time i ever brewed i was in my parents uh kitchen <laughs> and we were you i believe i've told this story on the podcast but we were using an electric stove it took yep. us like two hours to get water boiling so i can't say i would suggest that but Shane, if you're interested in this, there are, I think there's a system called the Nano Brew. It is not cheap, but <laughs> you can, it's literally like a, like a Keurig for home brewing. It's like a countertop beer oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you, there are, there are so many options for making beer with, with, you know, sort of limited space. There are way more cost-effective options. And actually Ryan and I have talked about doing an episode where we basically challenge ourselves to like, say we're starting brewing. What are, what's like the cheapest amount of money we can spend to cobble together the supplies necessary? Yes, and um, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll kind of throw that in as a wrinkle um, if we ever do that episode to like uh, you know also let's pretend we're in an apartment and we yeah. need to minimize <laughs> space, but like it's it's doable. Yeah, um, it's yeah it's it's hard. You you can always if you have a yard you can do it out in the yard. Yeah, I mean you um, get a gas uh, get a propane thing. You know, out there. obviously you're you're gonna do what's right for you, and we don't know your situation. But if you want to badly enough, I'm sure that uh, Ryan would be happy to give you some Absolutely. tips on how you can maybe minimize your footprint. Yep. All right, so and also thanks for the wonderful. Oh yeah, episode. absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, so let's dive into hops. Um, let's do it. So I'm gonna give three vocab words for this. So we're gonna go a little school on this. So with hops, there are a couple things that you need to know. So you have really two bases of hops, which is you have your aroma hops and you have your bittering hops. And just to clarify, that's a fairly that's like a qualitative, yes. right? And I, I, yeah, I'm gonna dive into that. Don't worry. So an aroma hop is something that gives it that smell or flavor of the hop. You're not really going straight for that bitterness that you usually get in IPA. You're trying to get a flavor out of it, like a citrus or floral or something like that. You're trying to get that flavor out of it. And usually it's done at the end of your boil because you want to get that out before the, the, the bitterness does come through. So like, for instance, a citra hop, which has a very citrusy, obviously, flavor to it. Some people do that at the end of their boil to get that little bit of the citrus and a flavor at the end of the beer. So you have that in your beer. Um, with the bittering hop, you do it the other way. You do it at the beginning of your boil because you want that bitterness. You want that that true IPA bitter yeah. hopness. Well, or or you're just trying to balance out like all mm-hmm. beers. Uh, I'm sorry. I know I'm probably oh, no, go for it. thunder a little bit, but like. You need a little, if you didn't use any hops, your beer is going to be like cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. So you need some in all beer just to kind of balance things. Yes. But um, correct me if I'm wrong though. So you, you're sort of talking about when you do, when you do early additions of hops, you're contributing more bitterness and less flavor. Correct. When you add hops late, you're going to get more of the aroma and flavor and less bitterness. Correct. But separate from that, there are some hops which are just naturally 
like do more bittering per weight. Yes, they right. Do. And so, like when when you're saying like a bittering hop is a hop that has a lot of bitterness, right? So if you're trying to bitter, you might want to use that hop early. So yes. it's like you can you sort of like have hops that you want to use early mm-hmm. to add bitterness without adding a crap ton of hop matter, and then you have hops that you might want to use late. Because they add really pleasant flavors and minimal mm-hmm. bitterness, Correct. right? And most times, if you, if you do any kind of research and trying to look at a beer, um, they'll tell you, like, if you look up a hop, it'll tell you, like, it's better for bittering, it's better for flavor, it's better for aroma. And yeah. a lot of that comes down to There's what a they... a lot of great info online about yes. pretty much all hop varieties if you're... you know a brewer trying to figure Mm -hmm. and i'm honestly still learning a lot about hops because there's different hops that i didn't realize some can even do both like you can use both that can work perfect as bitter and perfect as as flavor right yeah it's and a lot of that it's a bitter hop with really nice flavor too. and a lot of that's based off it's an alpha acid level so i'm gonna go a little science on this one i I figured you appreciate this so that an alpha acid science yes so the alpha acid is what is found in hops in actual hops and that determine the amount of alpha acid in it determines actually how bitter it is so they've actually like you can people have done the research so you don't have to look into it but you can see what the alpha acid level is for each hop and you can adjust as you need for each one so the more alpha in there the more alpha acid is in there the bitter it will actually be and it, it will explain that like when you look up hops and everything you'll you'll find that easily i think you're having a little technical difficulties over there michael yeah, <laughs> sorry. My, my speaker just decided it was unbalanced. Yep. It was going to tip at me. <laughs> and the last thing I'm just going to say is dry hopping. So dry hopping is different than when you throw it into your boil. You throw it into your secondary. You literally just throw your pellets or your leaves and everything else, throw it into your beer while it's um, going through the process of making the bubbles, making the alcohol and fermentation. And you throw it in there and get a little extra. It's more for flavor than it is for bittering. And and aroma. Right? And aroma, yeah. yes. Yeah, I've 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 heard that. I mean, I, I think people differ, but I've heard that basically the bitterness contributed by dry hop is like negligible for a lot of yes. hop varieties. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're getting a crap ton of aroma, maybe some flavor too, but like virtually no bittering. Exactly. And so yep. when you talk hoppy varieties like an IPA uh or particularly a new england ipa but but um you know other varieties like a west coast or if you have like a hoppy version of another style of beer Mm -hmm. or just a beer where you're really trying to capture the flavor the point of the beer is to capture the the essence of a certain combination of hops or single hop dry hopping is a really really powerful technique that i think a lot that's becoming i i remember it was kind of a newish probably not a new technique, but at least like for what me and like m- the guy I homebrewed with new in college, like it was fairly new. It when, is fairly new. When yes. we started brewing it's now, yeah. now it's like really, really commonplace. Yeah. And it's like any hoppy style, you got to dry hop. Yep, you exactly. Dry so we're going to do a top 10 with this. So I'm going to let you go first, uh, what your number five is, and I'll do my number five and then we'll go back and forth, s- see if we have any doubles. We might have some doubles. I feel like we're kind of similar when it comes to this. Um, s- Sorry, before we get to that, okay. if we could just back up for a, for a quick sec, I just kind of want to like wrap back around just to, to make sure it's clear. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of why hops are in beer in the first place. Yeah, go so, for it. I know, I'll let you go. So Ryan already covered that the kind of maybe especially now the reason that a lot of times we use hops and beer is for balance so 
beer would be way too sweet without hops, Correct. without the bitterness to balance it. But the other thing is that hops contribute a lot of um, stability and um, like antibacterial properties and yes, stuff actually, to a beer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, I think traditionally, like historically, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's why they started being used was because they just made beer last longer. Well, that's why IPA actually started because they were making pale with just a little bit of hops in there in England. And then when they started shipping everything over to India for when, you know, they Brits occupied the world, um, (laughs) they would send the pale ale to them, but it wouldn't last. It would go bad by the time it gets to them. So they started adding super amount of hops to it and shipping it off and it would last long enough to get to them because, you know, back then they had to do everything by boat. Right. So that's why the IPA actually started was they threw in a crap ton of hops and just to make sure it survives the boat trip. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I just, I, I wanted to mention that just cause, uh, I've always wondered who like way before the era of like microbiology, who figured that out? <laughs> you uh, know? I'm about to say, yeah. But, um, anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. We can move on to the, to the top 10 or do you want me to start? I'll let you start. Okay. You're number five. So, uh, I doubt you'll have this one on your list, but my uh, the one I'm going to start with, and if you've listened to our Cal Common episode, you'll be familiar with this hop. It's Northern <laughs> Brewer. Yes. So I almost had it on my list, actually. Did you? It was really? close, yes. Yeah. Be, so I love this hop. It's it's not – if you think like beers that um, IPA lovers like, a lot of the hops that they like are – you know, or like a lot of the hops used in IPAs are – especially now in like the era of the New England IPA, there are, a lot of them are very fruity. Sometimes you get piney, floral, mm-hmm. um, sort of kind of earthy, grassy. Like you'll, you'll hear all of those sorts of qualities. Yep. But Northern Brewer is a really, really cool hop in that it's like very, it's woodsy and it's it's it has this minty quality is like the only way that I can describe it. And Anchor Steam has it. Mm-hmm. The Cal Common that I made using just Northern Brewer had it as well it's just yeah it's this really nice like freshening quality um that it imparts that i just love it works super well in a california common which again like the modern version of that is sort of meant to part of it is to showcase that hop Mm -hmm. and i would also i've also thought that it would be awesome someday to try making like some kind of like a chocolatey stout and then incorporate a bunch of that hop to try and do like kind of a mint and chocolate sort of thing without without using any of either. Just get some chocolate characters from deep roasted grains and some of that minty quality from Northern Brewer I think could be really nice. I think you probably, if you want that, you probably have to add in like the last like five minutes or less for your boil to get make sure you get the flavors When I made the Kale Common, I used it for, for bittering. I did like a late hop edition and then mm-hmm. we dry hopped with it as well. Nice. Yep. That'd be perfect. Or, uh, no, we didn't. We we did like a flame out. Like, so a very, yeah. very end yeah, very after end. the boil. Yep. Mm-hmm. We did not dry hop, but maybe. Maybe. maybe Thank you the extra flavor. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. That's, I, like I said, it, it was just, just missed the scut. Like I looked at it and I ended up putting this one on here instead, which is Cascade. Cascade. I love Cascade hop. It's, it's, it's a simple, simple hop. It's, it's better like a, the... Capital T American hop. Yes. It, it it started here in America. Like there was no like, oh no, it's it grew somewhere else and we decided to grow it here as well. No. It started in 1972. It was grew it grew up here in the Cascade Mountain Range. Imagine that. 
I've never put that together. Actually. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a cross between Fugel and I'm going to say this wrong, but a Russian Surrey Blanker hop. Wow. So it's a cross between those two hops that Weird. they they put together. It does, like you said, with a lot of the hops that grow here in the states, it is citrus and pine. That's what flavor. Those are your yeah. main uh, I, yeah tastes and 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 smells that you'll get out of them. I, I hear it, and I, I definitely kind of get this. It's a kind of like a grapefruity citrusiness. Yes. Mm-hmm. I definitely get that. Um, so it is used for this one is one of those ones that's used for both bittering and for flavor. You can throw it in at the beginning and throw it in at the end to get both aspects. And it is mostly used in IPAs. I personally use it in my IPB, uh, which is my session IPA with tangerine peels. Um, and it works perfectly with it because you get that citrusiness with it. Yeah, I, I will say um, I'll, I'll be sort of throwing it back to you because the Cascade is on my list as okay. well. Yeah, go for it. I, I do think it's like it's people sort of consider it almost like overused, I feel like. But I consider it more like foundational. It's like... Yes. It is the classic, um, like citrusy. Like if if c- citrusy is like the if you could sum up like what makes American hops American hops versus like hops from other places, mm-hmm. they have this citrusiness, and it's like it's a unique brand of that kind of fruity citrusy character too. And I think that there's nothing more like I feel like Cascade is like the like the godfather of. You know, now there are all these newfangled like Galaxy and Mosaic and Citra, these new hops that like have all these crazy citrusy flavors that are really, really awesome. And then like Cascade is like the old, the old grandpa, the old godfather that just like (laughs) sits behind the desk and everybody has to kiss the ring. Every new American hop has to kiss, kiss the ring. And I think the other thing that makes it so great is that it plays well with like virtually every other American hop. Yeah. You know, you can use it with hops that are less citrusy and the the kind of pininess of mm-hmm. it. It'll bring a little bit of citrus, but the pininess allows it to plays with play with more outdoorsy flavors. Mm-hmm. But then it can also work with any of the like newfangled, like really fruity American hop. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a great, very versatile hop. So was that number four on your list or was that further up? Sure. We'll go with number four. Number I was four. gonna say I just figured since it was on your list too, I'd mention it. Yeah. And now I'm gonna throw it back to you okay. for your I go to my uh, next one. Next one. Uh, my next one is Kent Golding. So Kent Golding obviously started in Kent in the UK, East Kent. Um, it is a, actually it was bred from a wild growing hop called Canterbury Whitbane. Um, it's mostly used for aroma at towards, towards the end of your boil. Um, and it's used in a lot of English L's. Um, it's actually used in some Belgians and some stouts. Really? Um, so it's, it's got a sweeter earthy flavor to it and it's a little smoother than some other earthier hops that might be out there. Yeah. I've, I've heard that for English hops, like they can go from earthy to really earthy. Yes. <laughs> so, and then I, I personally use this in the short and stout and Irish complexion. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah. We're both very nice beers yes. too. So yeah, I, that's never one I've worked with my, uh, Haley and I will be making an, uh, basically a Guinness clone soon, mm-hmm. uh, a, a dry Irish stout, and we will be using a mix of that and Fugles. Yep. Um, Which is another good stout. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to try it, but yeah, that like I said, if, if, if I've never had it, I've certainly enjoyed the two beers that you have made with it, and I think yeah. particularly your batch of short and stout this year was divine. <laughs> so, All right, what's your next one? Well, I think this is going to be number five, right? Do we want to stop for a break here? 
Um, do one more and then we'll come do we'll one. come back around because we're doing pretty good on time, we're doing actually. Pretty good. Okay, beautiful. So my next um this is sort of a weird, almost like a, a technical point, but it's a hop called Magnum. So Magnum. Dear God, it's beautiful. <laughs> so Zoolander fans out yes. there. So Magnum is a it is a bittering hop. It's okay. a really kind of clean, noble-ish sort okay. of hop. Um, I've used it now in a few, uh, when we're talking about hot flavors, gotta be honest, I don't really know what it tastes like. It's, <laughs> it's got high alpha acids. It is a great hop for cleanly bittering a beer to whatever level you want, especially oh, okay. if you're making a beer that is not especially, um, hop forward. Yeah. You know, like the, the star is not the hop flavor. Mm-hmm. It quickly bitters with very little needed. Nice. And, and, um, and because of that, I really like this hop for basically, I I've used it now as like my 60 minute, like my, my first edition to yep. get most right of my yep. bitterness units. I used, I've used this in like three or four beers. It's the only one I've ever bought more than an ounce of. I bought like a 10 ounce bag (laughs) and I just keep it in the freezer and use it for anything. And it's just, it's just really nice. Like it, it doesn't, it, the, in my experience at least, which admittedly is, you know, fairly limited compared to maybe some like really, really seasoned home brewers, but the bitterness it imparts is really soft. It's not harsh. Yeah. And it just kind of gets out of the way. It balances your beer and that's it. Um, so I've never tried using it later. Maybe it imparts some really nice flavors. Maybe, maybe I should try it sometime. Haven't done it, but I, I've i used it more than any other single hop. So I thought it needed to be on this list. Nice. No, I, I, I've i never heard of it. I love the name. And there are some great hop names out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I might have to look out for that as a like, nice bittering agent. Yeah, like I said, it's it's uh, if if you're making any, uh, particularly any kind of like lighter beer, or like I said, just sort of a not hop centric beer, mm-hmm. a beer where there's no characteristic hop you're supposed to use. You're just you're making a lager, mm-hmm. and you just need like most of your bitterness to come from this, and then you're gonna add a little bit of a noble hop at the end. Okay, because like for noble hops, you need to add a crap ton to get the right amount of bitterness, right? So here yeah. you can get there quickly. And then you add your little bit of noble hop flavor at the end, and it works really well for like lagers and other European beers like that. Nice. I'm, I definitely will keep an eye out for that. Um, well, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll listen to some ads for AZP and probably uh, Studio Demands it. Great <laughs> stuff. Um, but until we come back, cheers, guys. Cheers. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. 
Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. we That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! Okay, and we are back, and I believe it is time for me to hand it back to you, Ryan, for number four, or for you, number two. This will be number three, actually, on my list, because I have two more after. Because we did one extra. Yep. Okay. Yeah, my so, counting's bad. <laughs> a few drinks would do that. Yeah. Why uh, did you let me take us back for break? <laughs> what have you done? So my next one at number three for me is Fugal. We talked about Fugal earlier. Um, this hop, I'm actually very surprised. It first started in 1861 in the UK. It has been around a very, very long time. Um, it is now also grown in Oregon and Washington. I mean, I gotta love the West Coast side uh, making our hops for yeah. us. Oregon's like the the hop bread basket of yep. America, I think. Um, as mentioned earlier, I put this in my notes and I actually forgot I mentioned it earlier, but it is the parent hop to Cascade Hops, which I mentioned uh, as one of my favorites earlier. So, like, they took that strain and, and with another strain and made Cascade. Um, it is a very earthy hop, like we talked about with the um, with yeah, the you're, you're a big fan of the British. I do like the British. They make they they make a good hop. I gotta give them credit for it. Well, it's just funny because yeah, I, I think for a lot of people, it's kind of like a hit or miss. You know, mm-hmm. like they're described as very earthy. Yeah. Well, it's perfect for one of my favorite styles of beer, which is a stout and porter. Yeah. So that's so those are usually the the um the well, hops right. are using like, that. It's not flashy, but mm-hmm. they get the job done in some excellent beer styles. Yep. Where they're I, like the unsung hero, they're the bassist of, yes. of those <laughs> beer styles. <laughs> But so it is, like I said, using a lot of stouts and porters and a lot of English ales. Um, I personally use this in the Irish complexion. And surprisingly enough, this might catch you a surprise. I use it in the Dude, which is a coffee ale, blonde. Really? Yeah. That is interesting. So it's, it's, it brings out, an, it, it works well with the coffee, I believe. So oh, cool. it, that's my number three. Um, All right. What is your number two? My number two is. Simcoe. Ah, oh, Simcoe so, almost made my list too. Yeah, so I've I've only used this hop once, and to be honest, I used it in a beer that had like six hops in it. So okay, it's kind of this was uh, my uh, multi IPA. Yes, right? your hopsecutioner uh, yeah, uh, remake. Uh, like yeah, hopsecutioner twist. But um, I just yeah, so it's like hard to certify exactly what it contributed to the beer. All I know. Is that we opened, you know, we had Centennial, mm-hmm. American Citrusy Hop. We had yep. Cascade, American Citrusy Hop. I'm trying to remember the other ones that were used in the recipe. Like maybe Amarillo. Or yeah, Amarillo. probably. Yeah, that's definitely up there. That, like in Spanish. But like um, all these fairly citrusy hops. And then you just opened Simcoe. And it was like, 
I've never smelled hot pellets and had them like <laughs> they smelled so delicious. I wanted to eat one. They because I just felt like they were going to taste like fruit. Yeah, you know, it was just like the most like wonderful hop aroma I've ever ever smelled opening a bag of hops before. Yeah. And I, because of that, because it stuck with me, I really felt like I could taste that quality in the finished beer. Although again, part, <laughs> it's not like I made a single hop beer, though I'd love to try that. That'd be a single. good one with a single hop. Um, so yeah, just a, just a really, really wonderful beer. If you're looking to make an IPA with a lot of like sort of classic American sort of citrusy quality, I would definitely recommend checking out Simcoe. My next one is, it's going to catch you off guard because I think you think it's my number one, is Citra. Okay. So Citra, very well-known hop. It's been used in a lot of places. It started in 2008, grown in Washington, um, and its popularity picked up a year after that in 2009 when Sierra Nevada actually used it in its Torpedo IPA to dry Citra. Hop. It's so, so hot right so now. So hot right now. Um, to keep the Zoolander, <laughs> keep the Zoolander going. <laughs> so it is a cross of a like about a, almost a half dozen uh, types of strains of hops. So it's wow. got the Holotown. It's a mutt. Yeah, it's definitely a huge, huge mutt. It's got uh, East Kent Golding. It's got Brewer, Brewer's Gold, um, Bavarian, uh, Holotown, which is a lot of these are noble hops that grow out yeah, over that's in, really in, interesting. Germ- in uh, Germany. Which so, you normally don't as- associate with no. uh, citrus flavor. So uh, hops have pick up flavors from where they're grown as well. So like when you grow a certain yeah, hop somewhere true. else and grow it somewhere else, they're not going to taste the same at all. More on that later. Yeah, more on that later. <laughs> so um, this is used in mostly IPAs. And with that, I use it in uh, my IPB, which is a session IPA. I use it in the Hazy Triforce, which is a New England IPA. And I also use it in my all damn day Kolsch. Really? Yes. In your Kolsch, huh? You yeah man all right cool it's it's I have a couple surprises. interesting choices yeah yeah, yeah you, you you really do if if you can say one thing about Ryan's brewing other than that he's a good brewer it's that he is not afraid to break from tradition I when I was he making is a not lot afraid of recipes, to commit heresy yeah when I was making a lot of recipes when I first started brewing I I was infatuated with Citra I thought it was a really good hop at the time when I first started brewing it, it, it is and it's it's one of those funny hops like I feel like that. Uh, now that I think of it, a lot of these are founders beers, so maybe founders just really loves naming their beers after hops. But like, yeah. um, I feel like Citra, Galaxy, and Mosaic mm-hmm. all all in fairly newer hops. All of this quality where it's like, I can't. Th- I've never seen a beer that was called like Cascade IPA, mm-hmm. but I feel like anyone who uses Citra in a beer markets it as a citra Citra ipa IPA, right because they know they'll catch everyone's attention yeah because as we said it's so hot right now yeah i do really i like the the flavor that citra gives i had always kind of considered it a fairly one note hop until i learned that zombie dust by three floyds Mm -hmm. yeah phenomenal like really famous beer if you're in like the uh illinois so i think like um like vaguely chicago area but not really um, if, if you find yourself in the range of three Floyds, go and buy some. It's, yes, a, it's an awesome absolutely. beer. But like that is a single hop beer. It's only Citra. And the level of complexity they're able to get out of it had made me completely renege on that. Where I had to totally rethink yeah. the hop because I would have thought they'd have had a blend of four or five in there with how, you know, just delicious that beer mm-hmm. is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very, very cool. Very hot. Unfortunately, a little expensive. Mm hmm. Simcoe, you can say that about too. That's kind of an expensive uh, proprietary sort of hop. Yeah. 
But yeah, really good, super, super popular. Super popular. All right, I think I know what your number one's going to be. I'm intrigued. But what is it? I don't remember the name, but it's that one you use that has the New Zealand one. Yeah, New right. Zealand. Okay, so, so it was number one. Yes. Go. So my my number one hop is called Nelson Sauvin, and it is a New Zealand grown hop. And you want to talk about, you know, the earth that you grow a plant in mattering, man. My 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 wife and I went to New Zealand for our honeymoon, and while we were there, we just like absolutely fell in love with New Zealand wines. And um, they're particularly their Sauvignon Blancs. They're not that hard to find here. Like if you go to your local grocery store, I'm willing to bet that at least like You'll a, find one. a third of your Sauvignon Blancs will be from, look for ones from like Marlborough, which is the most famous, you know, wine country in New Zealand. But like, man, they're, they're white wines, especially also they're reds, but their whites just have this, this like, kind of citrusy tropical fruit quality, but it's like no like other wines never really get there. Mm-hmm. And like they they I've never had a wine that tasted so tropical as the ones from New Zealand, particularly mm-hmm. their Sauvignon Blancs. Um so um when I heard that there was a style of beer that grew up in New Zealand called the New Zealand style Pilsner. We'll, we'll probably do an episode on it um, at some point um, and, and talk about the style. But I was very intrigued because apparently the hops that are grown there have this similar New Zealandy sort of tropical citrus quality. I was, okay. I was really intrigued by that. So I, I made a beer that was made using all New Zealand hops, but the star of the beer was Nelson Sauvin and dear mother of God, if it didn't taste exactly like it's like the 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 flavor that the hops contribute is exactly like that inimitable New Zealand wine flavor. It's like there is something in the soil there. I don't know what it is, but it was delicious and it's really pungent. We only we we used an ounce of Nelson Sauvin in the late boil, mm-hmm. maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Um and then we dry hopped with half an ounce of that okay. along with other we were using other New Zealand hops too, but oh baby, this one was just like the star <laughs> of the show, and it was the one that really captures that like it tastes like New Zealand white wine sort of quality. Mm-hmm. And I know that this that beer ended up being my favorite beer that we've brewed so far. It I is believe very you good. said it was yes, yours it was, too. Yeah, definitely. So just a really, really it made a really, really good beer. It was a really, really cool hop. Again, kind of expensive because it's an import from a, you know, really isolated yeah. island. <laughs> but I would highly recommend, uh, again, if, if you're trying to get it's, yes, it's citrusy. Yes, it's tropical. Yes, there are other hops that have those flavors, but none of them are quite like this. Like mm-hmm. this is a uniquely New Zealand flavor profile that I would highly recommend you try if you're looking to put a like a twist and really like unique up your fruity IPA. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The beer is phenomenal that you make for this one. And it does have like, yeah. like not quite like the oakiness, but like it has like a feel of like, of like a wine like you would think, but also still has those very tropical yeah. notes to it as well. Yeah. So for my number one, I'm going to hop to Tasman Sea. I'm going to Australia. I see what you did there. I see. I actually had to look it up because I had to make sure I was what the, the body of water was called. But I am going to go with Galaxy. So Galaxy, I thought grew up here and was was done here in the States. And it's not. It's actually 
um, was created in Australia. And what happened was this hop back in the mid 1990s, a group called the Hop Products wanted to make something, make a hop that was Aussie, like just as Australian as Australian can be. So instead of finding some giant animal that will probably kill you, they made a hop. <laughs> also, instead. Very also very Australian. Also Australia. Barbecues. And they made a Galaxy Hop, which came out in 2009. This, similar to Citra, has a has a Citra flavor, but it also has a very tropicalness to it. It has passion fruit. It has pears. It has peaches. Like it has different notes to it, and on top of the citrus that it comes with. I think it's worth noting too that New Zealand and Australia are pretty close, and yes. their their wines sometimes share characteristics. Mm-hmm. I wonder if again it's like maybe that, and because a lot of what you're describing, I don't think Galaxy tastes like Nelson Sauvin, but the descriptions are kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's the sort of area of the world. Maybe. Um, Obviously, this is used in a lot of IPAs. It's a fairly new hop. It's getting a little popularity growing here and there. I personally use it in the Hazy Triforce. It's actually right there with Citra as one of the main hops I use. And it's the first one I used, I've ever ever used this hop. Is The smell of it is so good. It's another one of those where like once you smell it, all yes. of a sudden now you drink the beer and you're like, oh, I get the galaxy on this. <laughs> But yeah, that's my number one. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I would say that for any, I believe, I think it's Founders, which is, I think, pretty easy to find outside of Michigan. I live in Michigan, so I don't know. But I think <laughs> they make a Galaxy IPA. I think so too, um, actually. If they don't, there's probably someone near you. Their Galaxy, yeah. again, is another one that like, if a brewer is using it as the star of an IPA, they're probably going to tell you. Yeah, so I, you honestly, I think in, if we do uh, a smash beer which is a single hop single grain i would I'd love to use maybe do that galaxy yes um all right awesome yeah i i do like galaxy i i think it again i've had to sort of rethink my feelings on citra but i thought that galaxy was like it's fruity but there's also like some other stuff going on mm-hmm. with it yeah that i that i really like it does have a nice complexity yeah and it is a it makes a heck of an ipa so I have one bonus question for you before okay. we wrap up. And this this came from what you said earlier. <laughs> that there are a lot of uh, hops that have some like kind of hilariously ostentatious names. What is your favorite name for a hop? Honestly, it sounds weird. Just I I do love, there's a couple of them that are Greek gods. And I do love like Zeus. Zeus and Apollo are just fun ones. But I'm honestly going to go with one of the ones I listed. It's Fugel because it's such, a, it's such a fun thing to say. But B, cute, and almost it's like. But everyone like looks at it, it's like, what is what something. is this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, what is this? It also I feel like kind of uh, sums up when you're like, yeah, it's kind of earthy. You're like, mm-hmm. of course it is. Of course it's it Fugel. is. Fugel. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so for for me, I love hops that are like super ostentatious. So there's one called Falconer's Flight, which I think is just like <laughs> how ostentatious is that? And then there's another one called the Eroica, which is like, that's the name of Beethoven's third symphony. It means like the heroic <laughs> symphony. And I just think that those are both. I've never used either. No, I I've heard Falconer's flight. In I've heard that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Cause I think it's a blend of some other American hops, but I just think they're both so ostentatious. Yeah. It's hilarious. No, those are great. Um, all right, cool. So that has left me wanting an IPA. I, I don't know, know about I might you. Get one when I get home. Um, but, uh, for the rest of you out there, I, I hope that uh, that you too, if you are an IPA drinker, that this has maybe inspired you to go out and make one using one of these hops mm-hmm. or perhaps just to go and raid your fridge and, and enjoy one of your favorites. So if you want to reach us about this episode, either about the first sip, if you're a brewer, 
or just an enjoyer of beer and you want to chip in on which of hops or grain or, or barley you'd be more willing to let go of, you let us know. You can find us on Twitter at brothersinlaw, all one word, um, or uh, our website, brothersinlaw.com. Yes. Um, and then Ryan, in addition to that, where can people find you? So I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my personal name is Rambo Coon. And I also have my brewing stuff, which is Wise Old Owls Brew. Um, and I do a blog as well. I do here and there once a month. And it's just called Hot Brew and Blog. Beautiful. So yeah, make sure to leave your thoughts for us if you have any on the first sip uh, or about our field research. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, we would invite you to submit a nice review, especially on and rate us. Yes, rate us. Yeah, it helps you listen to. It helps other people find it. Um, And with that said, until next time, cheers. cheers.